Welcome to the Restore Church Sermons Podcast. We're so glad you joined us here today. We hope that through this message, you are encouraged, challenged, and strengthened. If you want to know more about Jesus, Restore Church, or have any questions, please head to restorechurch.com.au. Cool. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to those of you with us online. It's fun to have you and join us as well. Um, who's excited this morning? That's good. We, uh, man, worship was so, so great this morning. Thanks, guys, for leading that. And I just know God's presence is here already. Like, we're, we're here. We want to hear from God. We want to receive from Him. And He wants to speak to us. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and I'm excited to preach. I haven't actually preached since last year. How crazy is that? It's been nice for you, hasn't it? So a bit of a break, but uh, I'm back, baby. So we're going to be preaching this morning, but I thought I might um, just pray a little bit before we get started, because I know that for me, um, sometimes when we just jump straight into the message, I know I'm not ready yet. Like, it takes me a little bit to get warmed up. So I figured, why don't we warm ourselves up now and get ready to hear from God, because God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to meet with you this morning, even if you're watching from at home. And I think sometimes if we just spend a little bit of time just preparing ourselves um, we can make it a lot easier for him to speak to us if we're ready to listen. And maybe you're here and you don't even believe there is a God. Maybe you're watching online, you don't even believe in God. But I, I challenge you even right now in this moment just to be like, okay, God, if you're real, if you want to speak to me, I'm going to give you a little bit of space here to meet with me today. So how about we pray, hey? Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that we can meet with you, Jesus. We thank you that you want to speak to us. And so, God, we just open our hearts to you right now. God, that we would hear your voice, that we would hear your truth, Jesus. That you would penetrate our hearts in, in a way that only you can. Holy Spirit, that you would do a lasting work in each and every one of us. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us so much. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, today I'm going to be preaching a message called Wonderfully Complex. Um, if you want to look at the person next to you and, and look at your own body, I'm going to fascinate you with your own body today. So you're going to be looking at yourself like, man, I'm amazing. Okay, so that's the whole purpose of this. Um, maybe you already look at the person next to you and think they're amazing, but you can be looking at your own body and being, this is an amazing body. So um, let's go through some human facts. Okay, this first one I just realized is very American because it's in pounds, but just you work it out. Pound for pound, your bones are stronger than steel. Did you know that? A block of bone the size of a matchbox can support up to 18,000 pounds of weight. That's crazy. No one's fascinated. Okay, next one. Um, okay, this one I had to fact check. This is crazy. There is anywhere between 100,000 and 160,000 kilometers of blood vessels in the human body. 100,000 to 160,000. Who's a little person here, Alex? So there's probably 100,000 kilometers, not meters, kilometers of blood vessels in your body running around there. So in, in, in a bigger person, so where's like a bigger, where's Nassi? I saw him today, I thought, there he is. There's probably like 200,000 in your body, Nassi, running around in there. And I was like, that can't be right. I was like, they surely got that wrong. I had to look it up. I got all scientific. And it's true. Do you know you have these blood vessels in your body that are seven micrometers wide? So a micrometer for, for an example, I guess, of that is if you take one hair off your head, that's about 17 micrometers. So you have vessels in your body that are seven micrometers wide, but they're long. So you have just hundreds of thousands of these things in your body running everywhere. So if you stretched them all out end to end, it would go around the world three times. Isn't that crazy? In every single body in this room, I'm like, boom. Anyway, so that's just my second one. I've got a couple more. <laughs> the human brain. 
has a memory capacity which is the equivalent of more than four terabytes on a hard drive. So for some of you old people, you're like, what does that even mean? For you uh, geeks out there, that's a lot of memory. The human heart pumps 182 million litres of blood during the average lifetime. 182 million litres of blood, that's crazy. Do you know 50,000 cells in your body died and were replaced by new ones just while you're listening to me read this sentence? Another 50,000. Another, your body's doing a lot. Looking like that's crazy. It's all happening inside of you. It just blows my mind. This last one's just fun. Human beings are the only animals which can draw straight lines. <laughs> so you might be feeling like you haven't accomplished much in your life, but if you can draw a straight line, you are doing better than any other animal in the world. That's great. So not only are we physically complicated creatures, like there is, there is so much going on in our body. And I think it's incredible that we've been studying the body for a long, long time and there's still so many mysteries to be solved. We still haven't, we, we study it and we're just fascinated by how complex it is. And so there are all these mysteries in the human body, which is amazing. It's just one body. You can't even study it. My body is a mystery to science next level, but... Um, not because I'm good looking, just because of, I've got super long arms and a very short torso. Anyway, we're not getting to me today. But if you think that our physical form is incredibly complicated, like when you're talking about our inner person, who we actually are in our soul, that's like next level complexity. Such complicated creatures. You are like a mix of your emotions and your habits and your worldview and your preconceived ideas and your dreams and your desires. We're like this complicated mix of all of these things. And the, and the crazy thing is we don't even, um, it's not just like a static shot, but we're continually changing and morphing and evolving. We're this complicated creature. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are wondering why I've got these things here behind me. And if you're anything like me, you probably haven't even listened to anything I've said this whole time because you're just staring at them going, I wonder what's behind the curtain, right? Is anyone else a bit like that? Yeah, so you missed the best part already. But okay, we'll get into this. Um, so behind door number one is this beautiful picture. Now this picture is titled Eke Homo, which uh, is not a homophobic slur. It actually, in Latin, means behold the man. Can anyone say that? Behold the man. Good job, guys. Very well done. Um, so this is a painting of Jesus, and it's in a church in Borja, Spain, which is a tiny little town. And it's in their church sanctuary, Mercy Church. So a guy painted this fresco on the wall there, and he painted this about 100 years ago. Um, and so this little picture exists there, and it was painted by this guy named Elias Garcia Martinez, which I think is the most Spanish name you can have. And then about 10 years ago, this is what the picture ends up looking like, okay? So... 80, 90 years on, it's looking a bit worse for wear, yeah? Not looking as pretty. For those of you listening on the podcast, it's a picture of an old painting, okay? Um, <laughs> you can picture that. Um, so it's a, bit, it's a bit faded. You can see things are starting to break away. You kind of can tell that it's Jesus, but not really. Um, it's changed a lot. So, and then along comes this lady who decides that she wants to restore this painting, and so she asked the church if she could do it, and they said, yeah, that would be great. She was an amateur art restorer. Um, her name was Cecilia, and she had a go at this painting and decided in 2012 that she was going to try and fix it. And uh, Cecilia messed up big time, right? This is uh, Eke Mono, which means behold the monkey. 
Um, and so this became an internet sensation. There became memes all over the world of this monkey Jesus, um, as I like to call him. Some people call him Potato Jesus. Other people call him Bigfoot Jesus. You can pick which Jesus you think he looks like. I think Bigfoot Jesus works. If Bigfoot has a kid's Bible, this would probably be the picture on the cover. Um, but there's a lot going wrong with this photo, right? You can probably start picking. The longer you look at it, the more it's messed up. It's crazy. And it's funny because Cecilia told everyone that she wasn't finished. That's what was her excuse. And I think they were just like, Cecilia, okay, that's enough. No more touching the painting, right? Before she added a bunch of bananas and a, and a tail or something. I don't know what she was going to do. But she's like changed the eyes to black. Like, I don't know why she went with black eyes instead of white eyes. Anyway. And he's got an afro instead of a crown of thorns. But that's interesting. So that's what Cecilia's done. It's pretty bad. Now, let's get to the main point of my message today. Can all of you guys over this side see that picture? Cool. You can come over and have a quick look now. Um, you were created by God. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's masterpiece. You were created by him, by this master artist, and he created you anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things he planned for you long ago. So you were created by this skilled, the most skilled artist in the world, and he created you with intention. And he designed you and he put work into you. And, and like a true artist, God actually created you with layers. Not a 2D picture, not just kind of swishing everything together. But God created you with layer upon layer upon layer. And you have this depth to you. And so God has kept, created you with depth and complexity. Psalm 139 verse 13 says this, You made all the delicate inner, the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous, how well I know it. We are complicated creatures. As I said, we're just this mix of emotions, habits, worldview, all of this stuff that's going on, and we're continually changing and morphing and, and shape-shifting into different kind of people. You are so complicated, and that's actually on purpose. God designed you as an intricate masterpiece. Not just on the outside, some of you guys are an exquisite masterpiece on the outside as well. But every single one of you are, are a masterpiece on the inside. Now, I think sometimes, if you're anything like me, you get a little bit frustrated by sometimes how complicated we are. I know that sometimes I don't understand myself. A lot of the time I get frustrated because I don't understand other people. I don't understand my wife. My wife doesn't understand me. I don't understand my kids. I think the reason we have dogs is because I understand my dog. Okay, I understand what she wants and when she's happy and when she's sad. She's very simple. But people are so complicated, it's so hard. You think you've worked someone out and then they do something, you're like, why did they do that, right? And we do the same thing with ourselves. Has anyone ever thought this, like, what, what, what's wrong with me? Or like, why did I do that? Has anyone had thoughts like that? Or you think, who am I? Like, I, I don't even understand myself. We're so complicated that we don't even understand us. And we can get frustrated by that. So we try and work it out on our own. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of personality tests you can take online. And I'm not talking about the Facebook one that says, like, answer these 10 questions and find out which Disney princess you are. Not those ones. I'm Rapunzel for anyone that wants to know. Um, the kind that, you know, you could take the, the Maya Briggs test and you could find out if you're an INFPSJENT. I can't remember. You can find out which one you are. You can take the, uh, the disc profile and work out where you are. You can take the Enneagram and work out what number you are. Anyone done one of these tests? Don't be shy. It's okay. You're not in trouble for taking the test. It's a good thing. I've taken pretty much all of these tests or been forced to at some stage. 
And these tests are really helpful uh, in, in a lot of ways. That They actually show us a lot about who we are. They give us insight into our personalities. They can help us understand a little bit more of like why we do what we do. And I found them to be pretty insightful at times. But all of these tests and all of these personality insights and, and trying to work out who we are, they all fail at some point because humans are just simply too complicated to fit into an organized structure. There is no test out there that can give you 100% clarity on who you are. They can give us a bit of insight, but we're so much more complicated than that. There's no algorithm that can be run. There's no computer that can work it out. You're a complicated creature. I think that's an incredible thing because I think sometimes I get frustrated that we're complicated, but at the same time, it's actually so good that we're not all the same. It's great that we don't all fit perfectly into the eight Enneagram types, right? That there's not just eight types of people in the world. Imagine if there was only eight types of food in the world. That would be so sad. I love the fact that we're such a multicultural, multicultural country and we have all these cultures coming in and bringing their amazing foods to our country. And I get to try all these incredible cuisine. You know, we, I love that about food. So it's, it's the same with people. Like God has made each and every person completely unique. Like you're not the same as any other person in the entire world or in history. Billions of people that have passed on before you. You are so unique. You are one in, how many is that? I don't know, like billions. Billions and billions and billions and billions. That's, you're so unique that God has made you that way, and that's something to celebrate. I think we should celebrate the fact that we are different. I think so much of the time we spend our, our lives just trying to fit in and be like somebody else or something else instead of celebrating how unique each and every single one of us are. That's something awesome. Now, the thing is, is that none of us are perfect. We don't really look like the way God intended us to. I think most of us know that we look a little bit more like this. When I look at myself, I see the holes in my life. When I look in the mirror, I see the faded colours. I see the paints chipping off a bit. There are so many parts of me that I'm like, I don't actually understand what this part was supposed to be or how that works. And, and so in looking at ourselves, we don't really see the whole picture, the way that we were supposed to be created. I don't think any one of us is truly who they want to be. I don't think any one of us really understands who we, we really are, 100%. And so what do we do? We begin to fix ourselves, right? We start putting paint on the canvas. We take a look at this and we're like, okay, well, I think this part is supposed to be like this. And we start, I don't know what, what Cecilia's done, but we, we start just slapping paint on the canvas, and we try and work it. We decide who we are. And so we decide what parts of us are good and what parts of us are bad. We decide what parts of us should be highlighted, what parts of us should be erased. And we just go with this kind of basic image and we try and fill in the holes and create something just with a guess. And so we do this in all sorts of ways. We do this with where we're from. Like I'm Australian, so I've got to be an Aussie. So I look around at other Aussies and I'm like, yeah, oath, yeah. Begin to act like an Aussie because I must be an Australian, so I must act like every other Australian. And so we do this in all sorts of different ways. You know, we, we, if we're from a wealthy background, we look around at our family and the influences and we think, well, this is who I've got to be. If we're from a poorer background, we, we, that plays into it. We look around at everyone else and we, we, we behave and act and, and make choices just like them. And so we, we think we know who we are, but we're not. The other thing we do is we take these lies about ourselves and start building on those truths. We, we look at ourselves and we say, I'm not smart, I'm dumb, I'm an idiot. And so we actually start painting the rest of the canvas with that truth and begin to build our identity on something that's not even real. 
We, we say, I'm not beautiful. And so we begin to paint our life with that as a foundation. I'm not a beautiful person, therefore, this is how I'm going to live my life. Or we say, you know, I'm incredibly handsome, and that's my issue. And we begin to build our lives on that false reality, right? We say, I'm not strong enough. I don't have what it takes. And so we never step into who we are created to be because we are believing something that's not even true. We actually need to find out who God created us to be and build our lives on that. We start slapping paint around the canvas and end up with something very different from the original masterpiece. The other thing that we do is we see parts that we don't like about ourselves and we begin to erase them. For Cecilia's example, she didn't like normal eyes. She decided black eyes would be better because they see into your soul. I don't know why she did that. An example in my life, something that I wanted to erase is I'm a natural born leader, okay? And that's straight away, all the Aussies are like, hey, don't say that. You can't put yourself up there, right? It's not very Australian to do that. But that's actually taken me a long time to accept. I used to hate that part of myself, that I was a leader. And, and I used to always think, man, I'm just too bossy. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I definitely was bossy. My, my brother and sister can attest to that. But there were times when, for an example, if I was in a social setting with my friends and no one really knew what to do and we're all like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. And everyone's just going around. I'd be like, okay, let's take a couple of suggestions. Let's do it. And I would kind of organize the group and then we go do something. And then I ended up having to run the evening because it was my call for where we went or what we did or whatever, right? And I'd get to the end of the night and I'd get home and I'd be like, oh man, I did it again. Why did I like start telling everyone what we should do? And and I don't like being the guy that's always directing everyone else. And then I'd beat myself up and I'd think, you're just too prideful, Jake, and you just need to stop doing that stuff and just sit back and let other people decide. And, and I did that for a long time. I hated that part of myself. I hated the fact that I was always the one making the shots, calling the shots, or stepping in when no one else would. And, and then I realised, it took a long time, but I actually realised that God actually placed that inside of me. The new leadership is actually one of the giftings mentioned in the Bible and God actually placed this gifting in my life and I realised that I was trying to squash it because I thought it was a bad thing, but actually God wanted to highlight it. I didn't realise, but actually being able to bring direction to a group who doesn't have direction is a gift. Being able to motivate people who are unmotivated is a gift. And sure, there are times when I can need to actually sit back and let other people lead and, and let other people get to the front and, and not always have to be the one calling the shots. I've learned that, but... But that for me, I've learned that I don't need to actually squish that part of myself anymore. I want to step into that, that, that gifting God's put on my life, and I want to learn to lead like Jesus. And so that actually became something that I definitely was trying to erase. But God actually said, no, 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 that's something I've actually put in you. That's something I want to highlight. And so what is it for you? What is in your life that maybe you're trying to erase right now? And God's actually painted that there intentionally. But you're saying, I don't like this part of myself. I'd rather just be a bit more like this. You know, what is it for you? And maybe you don't have an answer to that question. I think, I think so many of us don't, but I, but I know a guy who does. If you want to find out who you were created to be, you can actually go right to the creator himself. And that's the answer to this. God himself has the answers about who you really are. God wants to show you who you were created to be. No one else can give you these answers. No test, no counsellor, none of your friends, not yourself, not a book, not the internet. God wants to show you who you are because He is the one who created you. He's the one who actually knows what He put there. And so if you want to discover that, you've got to turn to God, to the source. 
And I love this because God is the only one who can bring out the subtle hues and, and to bring out the intricacies that are actually put there. God is the one who can actually get rid of the things that we think are a part of ourselves and show us what's really underneath. God is the one who can do that. And, and the thing is, it's not a very fast process. It actually takes a lot of time. It takes time for a, a proper restoration to happen. It, just in artwork, let alone in your life, you're far more complicated than an artwork. And so it takes time for God to show you who you are and to pull back layers and to, to fix things up and to, to bring things out to the forefront. God wants to show you those things, but it takes time and it takes skilled, gentle hands. And that's my God. God has done that with me again and again. There have been times in my life where uh, God has pulled back a layer on my heart and I've just come undone. I'm just, I'm a mess. And I begin weeping and, and God shows me things myself and for a while after that I'm pretty tender and a little bit raw. Has anyone else felt that before when God's kind of exposed something in your life? And, and so, and then over time I begin to heal and I became a better person. I, I, I've discovered that part of myself and I think, okay, I'm all right. And then God's like, okay, let's go for another layer. And he pulls back another layer and I'm like, and I come undone again. And what I love about it though is God is so gentle in the way that he does it. He's not brute force. He doesn't just burst in and be like, we're going to rip this out. We're going to pull this out. We're going to demolish this. He's like so tender and gentle and kind. And he always asks permission. Every time that, that God has done something in my life, I've actually had to allow him to come in. There's been this moment. There's kind of this, this part where I know I'm on the edge and I'm like, I can either just shut God out right now or I can choose to actually surrender and let him in. And when I let him in, he reveals things about myself, about wounds that I have in my heart that I didn't know were there, about things that I've been harboring, about bitterness that's inside. He begins to say, we, we want to get rid of this. We want to pull this out. And he begins to, to, with his very skilled hands, begin to pull apart my life. And God wants to do that with you. God wants to show you, like he wants to bring you to yourself and begin to show you what he's done. He's very proud of what he's made. And he wants to show you, like, he's like, I put this in here and I detailed this right here. Not many people have that, but I put that inside of you. And he wants to show you all these little things that he's so proud of that he's put in there. And he wants to say, this is who I've made you to be. And he wants to celebrate you. I remember once I was at a conference um, that John Eldridge was running, if you know who he is. It was, he's a guy that does ministry. And I remember I'd already read his book years back and, and God really changed my life in this book, Wild at Heart. God showed me some of these deep wounds I had in my heart that I didn't know were there. And God exposed them way back then. And I did an awful lot of crying, but I became a stronger, better person through that process. And so when I heard that he was coming to Australia, running this conference, I was like, I want to I be there. And so I, I went to this conference thinking, I've already done all the hard work. You know, I've already gone through the crying bit. I've already discovered my wounds. I'm good to go. And so I jump into this conference. I think it was like night one. And God's like, let's show you something else. And he revealed another part. And I'm like, oh. And so I, I just spent the rest of the conference crying like a baby, surrounded by all these big, tough men. It was great. But all these guys, like so many of these guys who you would never expect are just crying. And God's just showing them things about themselves. It's amazing when we actually make space for that. God actually wants to get in there. And we don't have to pretend that we're strong. We don't have to put on a face and pretend that we have it all together. That I actually become a stronger person when I allow God in and I become weak for a moment to let Him in and do what He needs to do. I find that I actually have true strength on the other side of that. Instead of standing up here pretending that I'm strong and I have it all together, I actually become a stronger person through that process. 
and it's humiliating at times. It's like it's it's very a vulnerable thing to do. It's it feels like you're exposing yourself. It's hard to do, and it takes courage. But but God wants to get into your life, and He wants to make you a better person. He wants to make you a stronger person. He wants to highlight the unique things that you have in your life. I love that about God. That God is. Is, is if you, I mean, if you look around this room, you can see there's so many testimonies here that are greater than mine. People's stories of restoration where they've gone from brokenness to hope to from, from failure to, to success. Like God, God actually wants to do these things in your life. And you can ask people around this room and everyone would have their own stories about how God's, God shared things and opened things and showed them things and, and made them a better person. Now, for some of this stuff, um, it sounds a little bit wussy. Like I said, you do a lot of crying and stuff like that. Not many of us want to do that. But as I said, it, it actually makes you a stronger person on the other side, a true stronger person, not one who has to fake it. The other part of this is that it sounds scary. And there's really no getting around that, that it actually is scary. I don't, I don't think there's been a moment where God has, God has done some surgery on my heart where it hasn't been a scary moment. It's always been this moment where, I'm like, okay, this is going to hurt a bit, I don't really want to go here, but I'm going to step in. And when I choose to do that, God, God, it's like, I guess it's a step of faith and God responds to that and then he moves. So it will take courage. I wish I could tell you that there was an easy way to do this, but there's not really. You've got to have the courage to say, okay, God, I want you to make me a better person. I want you to show me who I really am. I want you to get rid of the things in my life that aren't supposed to be there. I want you to, to show me the strengths I have in my life and I want to highlight those. I want to step into those. And inviting him into that process is a scary thing to do, to put yourself out there and say, okay, God, have your way. That's always a terrifying thing. But I have not regretted it, not once in my life. And there are people in this room who could testify to that. It's always the best decision you could ever make. And you're, you're trusting the most skilled surgeon, the most gifted artist. You're trusting him to do what he needs to do. You're not trusting someone who has no experience or a degree they got online. God actually knows what he's doing and he, he will take good care of you if you trust him. The other great thing about this is that God wants to make you fully alive. He doesn't want you living half alive. He doesn't want you like a dead man walking. God wants to bring you fully alive because that actually brings glory to him. The incredible thing about this is that, that self-improvement isn't the goal of Christianity that actually bringing glory to God and bringing other people to Jesus, that's what this is all about. And so God wants to bring you fully alive because then you can actually help others step into that same freedom. God wants to show you your giftings and abilities so you can actually help others see that they have giftings and abilities. God wants to get rid of stuff in your life because He wants you to be able to interact and help other people get rid of things in their life. God wants you to be free and you to be alive so you can bring that same life to other people. This is more than just about you. And so the more that you can actually step into this process and let God work and restore your life, you can then in turn help other people in that same thing. This isn't a selfish thing to do, but the more time you spend with Jesus, you're going to be more like Him and He loves people. Jesus loves us so much. God loves you so much and God knows you so well. That scares me sometimes that God knows everything about me. God knows all of my thoughts God knows all of my desires. God knows all the things that I try and hide. God knows all the things that are hidden in my heart that I don't even know about. But yet God still loves me. Often we don't like ourselves because we know ourselves. 
But God knows you and He loves you. God knows you and He actually wants you to go out and bless the world. God actually wants to give you responsibility. God actually wants to give you purpose and meaning. God wants to use you. You're not disqualified because of the things that you think disqualify you. God actually wants to change those things and equip you and set you free in the world. God knows you better than you do and He has more hope and faith in you than you do. Our identity can only be found in Jesus. And so today I want to give us that opportunity. If Tom and Chloe want to come up, we might start playing some songs. We're going to take communion in a sec. And um, I just want us to, to give God that space. Just for, just for however long you need. These guys could start singing. You don't have to jump up and, and join them if you don't want. You can sit there in that space and just focus on God and just continue to reflect on who He is. You can ask God, God, okay, I want to begin this process. Or maybe I want to continue this process. God, show me what you want to show me. God, I want to go there. God, I want to be more like you. The more that we step into life with Jesus and intimacy with Him, the greater people we're going to be on the other side and the greater impact and influence we can have in this world to see others come to know Him. God loves you. You are a masterpiece. And He is the ultimate artist. And you can trust Him with what He's doing. So we're going to take communion on the side um, in your own time, whenever you want to. We invite everyone to the table and we take the, the, the juice to remember God's, uh, to remember the blood that Jesus spilled for us. We take the, the bread to remember His body that was broken for us. And we remember the price that He paid so that we could have freedom. That's why He did this. He died so we could have life. Not an average life, not a mediocre life, not a, I'm just going to get by life. God died so that you can have life and life abundantly. So this morning, I encourage you just to spend that time with Him and let Him in and allow Him to challenge you and to, to speak to you and to grow those things He needs to, to grow in you. Bless you, church.